Welcome to Explore the Word Podcast. I'm thrilled that you can join in today. Uh, For the last number, I think it's five podcasts now, we've dealt with the errors of Calvinism and Arminianism. And really today, it's Arminianism. Uh, We finished examining Calvinism in our last episode. Uh, So we are now going to look at Arminianism. And Arminian theology was developed uh, to combat Calvinism. Armenian doctrine is found in churches across North America. Uh, here's some churches. I'm not going to name every one of them because I don't know everyone that uses or ascribes to Armenian doctrine. But these are bigger ones. Uh, American Baptist Church of the United States of America, which has about uh, 5,200 congregations. That's a lot. Uh, United Methodist Church, uh, United States. Um I think there might be a few of them in Canada, but they're mostly in states. Uh, in both countries, Canada and United States, Pentecostal churches hold to Armenian doctrine. Uh, the Church of Nazarene, uh, the Wesleyan Church teaches Armenianism. Um, just so you know, the, in the Maritimes, uh, the Wesleyan Church is probably the most active in new church planting. And they have seen a lot of people attend their church. Just uh, just some information for you. So uh, this doctrine is around us. Okay, It's not a obsolete in the sense that it was once taught no longer is. So here's, um, just like Calvinism, it has five points. Uh, Armenium does. Uh, so here's, here's uh, the points. The first one is uh, free will or human ability. Uh, although human nature was seriously affected by the fall... Man has not been left in a state of total spiritual helplessness. God graciously enabled every sinner to repent and believe, but he does not interfere with man's freedom. Every sinner possesses a free will, and his eternal destiny depends on how he uses it. The sinner has the power to either uh, cooperate with God's spirit or resist God's grace and perish. Hey, we believe the same thing. We believe in a free will. Uh, a biblicist position believes in a, absolutely a free will. So we agree on that point. The second point, uh, conditional election. God's choice of certain individuals uh, onto salvation before the foundation of the world was based upon his foreseeing that they would respond to his call. And agree, uh, I agree with that. Uh, Biblicists would agree with that because God does see everything. There's no one going to be in heaven that God did not know about. Um, so, yeah, we agree with this point as well. Uh, number three, unlimited atonement. Jesus Christ died for everyone, even for those who will not believe. So the idea that it wasn't just for a set amount, as we've seen in Calvinism, uh, but for everyone. And again, a Biblicist believes this, the same thing. Christ died for everyone. Uh, resistible grace god's call to be saved can be resisted or rejected by man it is his or her choice again back to the free will hey i agree with this point as well and a biblicist would Uh, these four points fall in line what we can see from scripture but the fifth point is where the error lies with arminianism and this point is too big of a point to say i will accept it uh, just, you know, that's not very good, but we'll, no, it, it's a big point. And that's conditional salvation. They believe a Christian can lose their salvation if they continue in a life of sin or they fall away from God. The maintenance of salvation is required for a Christian to retain it. 
and they quickly refer to Hebrews chapter 10. And I'll read you the verses they refer to. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But a certain fear of a looking for of the judgment and fear, fiery indignation shall devour the adversaries. He that despises Moses' law die without mercy unto two or three witnesses. Oh, how much sword punishment, punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who have trodden underfoot the Son of God, and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, and a holy thing, and have done despised despite unto the spirit of grace. The Calvinist explains this passage is not speaking of a genuine Christian, but pertains to those unsaved, who, after receiving the knowledge of truth, still refuse to accept a substitution, substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But this is written to believers, and follows in sequence with other exhortations. The believer who begins to drift from the word in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, will soon doubt the word. You've probably seen this in your own life. Met people who drifted from the word and they begin to doubt it. That's in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. Soon they will become dull towards the word. Hebrews 5 and chapter 5 and chapter 6. And they'll become spiritually lazy. That is a result of despising the word. The evidence of this despising is a habitual, willful sin. This exhortation is not dealing with one particular act of sin, but with an attitude that leads to repeated disobedience. How does an arrogant attitude affect a believer's relationship with God? It's as though he or she trods Jesus Christ underfoot, cheap, cheapens the, the precious blood that saved him, and insults the Holy Spirit. Instead of having a bold profession of faith and hope and love a backslidden believer lives with his actions and attitudes and brings disgrace to the name of christ and to the church what can this kind of christian expect from god he can expect severe punishment discipline and that's the theme of hebrews chapter 12 some have asked over the years what if i totally uh turn away from all things of God and deny and reject Christ after I become a Christian. So what if you turn away from your biological parents and you deny that, that you are a member of their family? You're still their offspring. The same is true for those who've been born in the family of God uh, through the merits of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In whom you have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. We don't lose salvation. We can act very poorly. We can be very disobedient, but we are never removed as a saved individual. We accept Christ as Savior. We are forever saved. As children of God, we're guaranteed everlasting life. John six forty seven. Verily, verily, I sign to you, he that have believed on me have everlasting life. Now, if there was a process where we could lose salvation, you better believe that God would put it in the word of God. But it's not possible because God has finished the work through Jesus Christ. So not only is that a great verse to remind us, but we need to understand that God assures us if we disobey, there's going to be trouble. 
Uh, Romans, we're not under the condemnation of Christ, like in a sense condemned by him, uh, but we're told not to walk in the flesh, but after the spirit. But turning away from God will forfeit joy and peace. Christ came to give us uh, life. We accept Christ as Savior. We have eternal life. And he, he wants to give us life more abundantly. The Bible teaches that the eternal security of a born-again believer has nothing to do with man. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. We again, it goes back to the idea with the Calvinism we saw in the perseverance of the saint, you know, keeping his salvation. The Armenian doctrine comes to the point where, yeah, well, if you don't, again, kind of goes back to the idea of showing fruit. If you're not showing fruit all the time, then you're lost. You get in a bad way, you get in a backslidden position, you're not saved. A believer is secure because they're kept by God Almighty. Uh, we do not know the heart of man. God does. And God is judging man. We don't know what's going on in everybody's life either. We would be a little bit arrogant to think that we do. God could be working in people's hearts much differently than we know about. Someone puts their faith in Jesus Christ. The biblical Christianity. They are forever secured in the hand of God. Jude 1 1, Jude the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Preserved. Hey, forever we're preserved in Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're, we're secure. We're preserved in Jesus Christ. Don't fall. Don't get sidetracked by these thoughts that, you know, you can, uh, we have to do works to keep our salvation, to prove it. Hey, we, we should have fruit. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the reality is fruit is not required for eternal security because eternal security is secured in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening today. I hope this has been a help to you and encouragement. Keep exploring the word and looking to Jesus.